Hi, cold open today for this week's episode of the Dura Sisters podcast. We will not be having our regularly scheduled episode of our Deep Space Nine family series. Rihanna, tell everybody what they're going to hear this week. We are releasing to the public the review of the second episode of Lower Decks that we did on our Patreon. And we decided to release it because we have had an absolutely crazy week. I mean, a lot of things go wrong. It's I was 2020. Sick, like- yeah, yeah, I was sick like half the week. We've had a ton of like family things happening, near-death experiences. It's been quite a week. And so instead of stressing ourselves out, we just decided to release this episode to hopefully make you guys laugh and <laughs> make ourselves laugh. Yeah, we're definitely more free-flowing on our Patreon. So we're you might hear some cursing. You might hear, you know, a little bit more of just the raw Dora sisters as we are in the patreon studio usually (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you get a little glimpse into that this week and then next week we will continue our family series we're very excited we've been watching like seriously 20 episodes to prepare for this episode of the dura sisters podcast and that's also why we wanted to take a little bit of a break this week because we're watching every wharf episode ever pretty much (laughs) and Um, it's amazing 20 episodes. I actually think we're watching more like 24. So. Okay, yeah, like 24. It's 24 to prepare for this week and about maybe 26 for yeah. part two, which will be released in two weeks from now. Yeah, so to give you a little rundown, next week's episode is our DS9 family part one. We will be reviewing the O'Briens, Worf, Cisco's, Bashir, Jadzia Dax, Tiny Bit, not really, yeah. and Ezra Dax. In part two, we will be going over all the Ferengi, like the family relationships with the Ferengis, Odo, Kira, Golducott, Garrick. Yeah, and Garrick. <laughs> so it's going to be a very fun Ferengi and then crazy Cardassians. It's so. actually, you know what? We are not reviewing any humans next week. It is all aliens, which yeah. is amazing. Wow. That's Way to have. Awesome. I'm so glad we have representation here on the Dura Sisters podcast. Oh, yeah. You love to see it. <laughs> So thank you all for hanging in with us, and we really hope that you enjoy this Patreon edition released to the public. On the Patreon, we have reviewed episodes one through five of Lower Decks, and in the following weeks, every single week for five more weeks, we will be posting more reviews of Lower Decks. We want you to enjoy this week, and we'll be back next week with our part one of Deep Space Nine. Yay! Thank you all, and kapla! (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the Patreon edition of the Dura Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. Good to see you, or good to hear you all. You're not seeing us. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So, this is the debut of our Lower Decks edition of the Patreon podcast. This is our official review of the season of Lower Decks. We are starting with episode two called Envoys, and we are so, so excited to be reviewing the Lower Decks. And we are happy that you all have donated to us so that we can make this possible. Yes, we really appreciate it. And we've been looking forward to watch this series for a really long time. We have both not been watching it at all since August when it premiered. And so we are so excited to share our fresh takes with you on this Patreon podcast. 
Yes, we've been upstating ourselves, so <laughs> we're very happy to be here. Yes, yes. Yeah, we are starting today with episode two because, as you probably know, episode one was free to the public as it was a part of our pilot series, mm-hmm. the last episode, actually, of our pilot series. So today we are going to be covering episode two of season one of The Lower Decks. Envoys. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ashlyn, first thoughts, best thoughts. What are you thinking about this episode? Oh, man. I want to be Mariner, basically. (laughs) That's how I feel. I love everything about the mission with the Klingon and her friendship with him. I thought was hilarious. And I really loved this episode. I thought it encapsulated a lot of different elements of Star Trek that I love. I had a blast watching it. Yes. How about you, Rihanna? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with the the Klingon elements were fantastic. Um, something that I really liked too is that I felt like this episode was a sort of dovetail off the first episode when we got to explore Mariner's and Boimler's relationship even more, their friendship, which felt very similar to the first episode, but it expanded on it. And so I really liked that aspect. Uh, the fact that Mariner is definitely, you can tell she's definitely taking Boimler under her wing like she promised in the first episode but she's doing it in her lovely mariner way which is chaotic and amazing and so fun to watch yes absolutely i love all of the little references that comes with mariner and so in every scene that she's in i'm having a great time um especially when she takes over his piloting of the shuttle (laughs) and Mm -hmm. she she's like oh this is the one with the blast shields (laughs) she's she's turning them on and off Yeah, yeah yeah i just i love all of the references that she brings up. And so it's a joy for me to watch her in everything she does. Yeah, I agree. I think that quickly she has climbed the ranks in my heart to be one of my favorite characters, you know, of this show. But like, I really think that these four main characters that we're seeing so far, Beckett, Broimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are all so enigmatic in different ways. Like I, you know, sometimes Broimler sort of rubs me the wrong way, mm-hmm. but then he does something that's like very relatable and then he's right back in my good books, you know? And so I found everyone in this episode to be absolutely delightful. <laughs> I think you and Boimler both like being in the good books. I was actually yes. thinking that uh, <laughs> he was reminding me of you a little bit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that's why he rubs me the wrong way is because he writes me too much of me. <laughs> I think you're right about that. <laughs> because yeah, we're both pretty rulesy. I don't like when people don't like me, kind of like Tendi also. I also just really want everything to go according to plan. And I just highly relate to Boimler. I think that being friends with a Beckett, I've never had a Beckett in my life as a friend. And so I think that would be wild and fun and also so stressful (laughs) because like she is a lot and she's, but she's got such high energy and she's got such love and such a capacity for like caring Mm -hmm. that I think it would be like very rewarding to be her friend, but it'd also be for a Broimler type like I am a little bit stressful because I just wanted to take down this Klingon (laughs) in my mission. So well I love when he's freaking out about I think we're breaking all of these rules and we're breaking the accords. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like the the really this I mean this is a classic away mission gone wrong. You know, this is a another great instance of Star Trek sort of going off the books and doing what you don't expect it to do, which 
Oh, yeah. Lower Decks is so great with that. It's another aspect of Star Trek that I really love, which is two characters having an experience together and it shapes Mm. them. And you can see how they're becoming tighter as a team in this because Mariner has all of the street smarts. He has all of the book smarts. And he thinks for a moment that he's gotten them out of this situation. But of course, Mariner (laughs) knows the Ferengi. And I love that they did this because I was really surprised that they were going to debase the Ferengis like that. I love Ferengis personally. And if I saw one, I would greet one and say, oh, how's your latinum hanging? How's you your know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like Beckett did. Like yeah. 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 And so I, I love seeing the bud of this team beginning. And yeah. I love seeing Boimler go through these hardships and him coming out okay on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that I really liked about this episode along the same lines are the fact that when Boimler is like, oh no, we're going to get court-martialed. And she goes, don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, <laughs> And so I think that she creates a space for Boimler to be a little bit more relaxed. No, he doesn't always adhere to that. He's sort of always uptight and everything and very Starfleet protocol. But she is such a free spirit that it's just liberating to be around her because we don't get a lot of Star Trek characters like this that are in Starfleet. Like Quark is kind of like this, but... Or, you know, I mean, some other characters, side characters that we get in Star Trek, but she's Mm -hmm. a Starfleet officer and she's just doing her own thing. It's amazing. I think she kind of is like Kirk in a way Mm -hmm. where she has the same doesn't care about the rules vibes. Of course, he was more driven and focused, but I have a feeling that we're going to see her develop in different ways later on. That could be, could make her a fantastic Starfleet officer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and a very good captain one day, I'm thinking. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, her mom's a captain, her dad's an admiral. It's it's in her blood. As Hermione would say. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked a little bit about Brimler and Mariner. Yeah. I also want to just shout out to the wonderful Rutherford Seeds episode. (laughs) Okay. Yes. My favorite character. Like every time I see him on screen and he is just a joy to be around and so wholesome, like must be protected at all costs. Yes. (laughs) The the look in his eyes when he sees the Jeffrey's tubes, I just yes. you find yourself someone who will look at you that way. <laughs> and you will be a lucky, lucky person. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I also really like the fact that when first first of all, Rutherford is so accommodating. He's trying to get like literally quitting his career to go on this like watch of the, you know, he's watching this like anomaly happened with the pulsar, the pulsar the pulsar thank you and so i mean that is going hardcore rutherford i'm like whoa bud like i think if you just talked to tendy like she'd be fine with it which she totally was but i think that his journey along the way of checking out pretty much every department he was in medical he was in security he was in the command uh simulations and whatnot i think that was brilliant because it showed all of these different departments from an Ensign's perspective. It was really inspiring that everyone was just so supportive of him trying to find his way. You know, they weren't mad at him. They weren't hardcore about like wanting him to stay in a certain area. And I think that that's something that's really nice to see in Lower Decks because the senior officers get kind of a bad rap for being 
senior officers just because we're not in their perspective in this show. And so it was really cute to see them being like, I think that is a great idea. (laughs) And it was just really wholesome that they were also supportive of him. I think it's one of the minor ways that we see a brighter future in Star Trek is we see people who are in superior positions totally supportive and aware of everybody's mental health on the ship. And it is so wholesome to see them just functioning as a team, even though it, you know it's a funny show and it's humorous, but really everyone's working as a team. We're all cogs in the wheel <laughs> in, yeah. a good, in a good way. <laughs> And I think it, it's a really just subtle and wholesome way of showing that the future includes people who are aware of others' feelings and know that the most effective way to support someone is just to encourage them and, and, and support them. <laughs> <laughs> Let them try new things yeah. and see where they fit best. Yeah, especially as ensigns, they're little babies. Yeah, they're just yeah. they're just starting out and also can we talk about how badass Rutherford is in security? He's just yes. like, hmm, I wonder if this <laughs> cybernetic implant will work. And he just takes them all down. And I really am growing to like the security officer too. I don't know his name, but like he is amazing. It thrilled me because as soon as he walks in and he sees Rutherford just kicking ass, he yeah. says, Oh my prophets. And I see he's got the <laughs> yes. earring and yeah. the nose crinkle. So he's a Bajoran. Yes. And yeah. I just don't think I've seen a Bajoran in Starfleet. No, I mean, or, not and, recently. And a security pr- yes. pr- position. That was yes. amazing. It thrilled me with joy to see. Yes, yeah. I wa- I'm so glad we were able to bring that up because I was so excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Not to go off too much, but he kind of reminds me of Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist yes. Brotherhood. Like, yes. Yes. Very similar vibes of like big tough guy on the outside, but like this sweetheart and just like, this really cool dude and they were like passionate passionate yeah, yeah. he has all his bears you know but they're all just so supportive of each other you love to see a good support system it's just so wholesome yes, i love yes. that yeah absolutely and i also think you mentioned when rutherford is going through trying on all these different hats yeah i just think it's a super intelligent way of writing this episode for people who are newbies to Star Trek or for people who don't really remember or kind of have a general idea of what Star Trek is about to just really go through each part of the ship and kind of spell it out for us. But we have all of these amazing examples of Star Trek in the past to go off of. And so it's it's such a smart way because you can include jokes for old fans that we already knew and give a great example for new fans about what every little part of the ship is about. Exactly. I totally agree. And the scene where he's in with the doctor and he's trying to calm down this patient. I just think it's so smart, like you said, to show different facets because some people are just not built for certain positions. Like I definitely would not do well in a medical capacity. I would be not, I don't think I'd be like Rutherford, but I would just be panicking. I'd be like, how do I calm this dude down? I'm not calm, you know, but like, I, I think that's brilliant that they threw him in and especially the command scenarios on the holodeck that he did with ransom cracking me up you know that even in the easy mode he still managed to just like wreck everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I love that too because it shows him totally failing at certain things, but then being incredibly gifted in other subjects. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think on Star Trek there's enough of total, total failure that we see, you know. And yeah. so, but because they're all ensigns, it's lower stakes, and so they have the means to take time on these episodes and have them explore who they are without dire consequences. Yeah, I agree, and I think that to go off of that, usually we see someone fail it's someone like Wesley Crusher and he gets a whole big lecture from Picard and here it's just supportive it's like okay this is not for you you know and like you said because the stakes are lower and I think that it's genius because we all fail in life sometimes and we all have places where we're not very good or positions that we're not very good in and recognizing that in yourself and in others is such an important way to show support of somebody and not be judgmental or harsh about it and be like, this is not a fit for you. Or even Ransom, whom like, I'm still kind of growing on, he was still very much like, okay, let's just try another simulation. You know, he's like, that was kind of wild. He kind of really failed that, but let's just try (laughs) again, you know? And so I think that's a very Starfleet attitude of like, we're not giving up on you. And you know, not everyone's Picard. Picard goes a little hard when it comes to failure. Like he expects the best of his crew. Well, he is running the Enterprise, Rihanna. Yeah. Like, um, of course, he has to be hard on them. <laughs> to be on, I think. But yeah, exactly. Like I think that, especially on the Cerritos, for the most part, I feel like people really do take care of each other. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree. Oh, can I say some like of my favorite quotes from this yeah. episode? Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Um. So I was laughing at the very beginning before like the sort of cold open where they find this like sentient creature just like flying around yes and Tendi's like he's a sentient creature should we stuff him in a container (laughs) I just love that she's asking these questions because that is the ultimate Starfleet question to ask like instead of just like oh get it out of here she's like oh should we be putting it in a container well and that's what I was thinking too like you might be breaking some protocols here I thought they were making a reference to obsession or, I don't know, some... I mean, this happens all the time where a random alien is just floating through. (laughs) I just, I love that. Yeah. Same. Did you have any quotes that you would like to share? Well, my favorite quote was at the end because we had this really beautiful episode of everybody going through their trials and tribulations. And at the end, Rutherford realizes and he tells the bears (laughs) that he's meant for engineering (laughs) and uh, everyone's okay with that. He's able to tell Tendi that he can watch the pulsar with her and they're sitting in this tube together with yes. her, she's watching on the ipad he's looking at the jeffrey's tube and what <laughs> he's just picked. <laughs> i mean i mean i'm, is, I'm yeah. calling it as i see it <laughs> very I fair mean, you could also just be a pad because that's right. what it is but uh-huh. it's an ipad because <laughs> it is yes yeah. Yeah, Apple's eternal. Mm -hmm. Tendi says, isn't it amazing about the pulsar that she's watching? Uh And he says, yeah, it is. And he's looking at the tubes. And I'm (laughs) looking at both of them. And I'm saying, yes, it is. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) Yes. And it made me wonder, because he goes through all of this for her. Do you think they have a thing for each other? Or do you think something will develop? Because this spelled it out for me that... He's definitely into her, but, you know, he knows what he likes and he he's really passionate about the ship and fixing it, too. And I think she's okay yeah. with that and she knows him. Totally. I think that they're really starting to learn each other and learn their 
um, various passions and how they sort of fit together within those passions and like can work together on the ship. Uh, I think that it's a really beautiful start, even if it doesn't blossom into like a romantic relationship. I think either way, it shows a very solid foundation of a relationship, a friendship, or whether it be platonic or more romantic. It, it's just, it's very lovely to see people supporting each other in a way that's non-judgmental and just open dialogue. Like they're communicating. It's really great. I'm really like vibing with that. I just, I really think that they're developing something really special here. So I yeah. agree. I think so too. And I love you bringing up that, you know, whether it's romantic or not, it's a beautiful way to start a friendship. And I think that's also what I appreciate about this show because I'm looking left and right because I want a couple because that's just (laughs) kind of how shows normally go is at some point, like there's some romantic tension and- um, That's so funny. I hardly ever look for that first. Like that's not my very, that's not like my priority, but I, I, I- understand why because it's so fulfilling when there is one it's like oh yeah like it's satisfying when two of your favorite characters get together or whatever but that's so interesting that that's sort of like what you go to well and i feel like it's becoming an ancient thought (laughs) (laughs) because to have shows be progressive you want to show relationships and friendships that can be platonic between a different gender and Mm -hmm. uh, that they don't necessarily have to get together because there's all types of relationships and friendships. So I, I'm still aligning myself with that. And But I love no matter where they're going. I love seeing these characters interact. I, I'm laughing out loud so much during these episodes. I have to start keeping a laugh track because on most shows that I watch these days, if I have one good laugh, I'm thinking, oh, this is a really good show. Yeah, and so to find a show that cracks me up consistently is a true blessing during this horrible, horrible year. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's just kind of the perfect show we need right now. We've talked about this on some of our mainstream non-Patreon podcasts that Star Trek sort of presents itself when we need it. And I think Lower Decks is truly a godsend. Like, thank the prophets that they're here to help us through this difficult time. Oh, thank the prophets indeed. Right? Another quote I really liked was something from Mariner, she said, I study by doing, you know, she's sort of like, hey, I'm just like out here living my life. And this is how I learn. And I think that it's something that's not expected. You know, you have a lot of characters in Star Trek, especially who learn by taking tests or reading books, quite like Boimler. And I just really, I think that's a really good point when you mentioned that she's like Kirk, because Kirk is definitely more of an ex- like learn from experience kind of person like she is. And that's a really valuable quality of Starfleet, even if she doesn't want it to be or whatever. I just, I love that quote. And it sort of is inspiring. Like, I want to learn more things by doing. If I was less anxious, like I would definitely be doing that, you know, but I just, mm-hmm. I really respect and admire her as a character. Me too. Man, I love her. And I loved so much when she was singing Klingon drinking songs. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Well and and she's like, Oh, we used to work together or do some dark ops back in the good old days. And he said, We're the same age. When was this? <laughs> Yes, I know. I'm super excited to get more into Mariner's past. And I hope that we get to see like different hints of where she's at later on and like where she sort of came from because it's I'm there's so many questions I have about like starships she served on and all of those things that it'll be really interesting to see if they expand on that. 
I think she's kind of the Indiana Jones of this series. And I don't think we've had an Indiana Jones character in a long time. Like someone whose background is a mystery and we never really get all of the answers. And we're always excited to see her when she's on screen. Hell yeah. And I think it's, I I just think it's so awesome. And she's just become one of my favorites. So Ashlyn, if you were in this exact same scenario where Mariner and Boimler are escorting a Klingon down to this planet, what do you think you would do in this scenario if you were just like an ensign tagging along? Oh my gosh, what a question. I think that I would try to be a mix between Boimler and Mariner and try to remember my regulations, but also be cool and kind of let the people around me guide the situation um, while I'm looking for the Klingon. (laughs) (laughs) I might try to reach the ship, like ask someone for a phone so I can call Cerritos (laughs) (laughs) and maybe ask for more directions. But yeah, what would you do? I think I would do a lot of the stuff that Boimler did. If I do see a hot lady, I might try to kiss her, but like, no, probably not. I think I have a better head on my so- shoulders. <laughs> I'm not as weak-minded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think I would try to just like follow protocol as much as possible. And you have to sort of just like let the situation unfold and do what you can to manage it and then get the Klingon back as fast <laughs> as you can, you know? And a lot of Starfleet is just rolling with the punches, which would be a little difficult for me, but I think I would get used to it and try to just like find that drunk Klingon somewhere. <laughs> I also loved when he showed up at the Federation like embassy and he's like, where's my ale? And she's like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. It's lo- I love to see sort of the higher ups get a little frustrated too because like we never get to see them lose their cool. It's just, it's refreshing. I like it. Totally agree. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for talking about this episode with me, Rihanna. It is so fun to get into the weeds (laughs) with Lopex and it's great talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Dura sisters podcast. Please join us next week for the fourth episode of our family series. The first part of the familiar relationships of Deep Space Nine, including characters like the O'Briens, the House of Moog, the Siskos, Dr. Bashir, and the Daxes. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our posted suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. If you like what you've heard today, please give us five stars and leave a comment. If you would like to become a patron, You can donate any amount per month to have access to reviews of the Lower Deck series, our trivia series, as well as our upcoming reviews of the animated series. It's series galore! Our email is thedurasisterspodcast at gmail.com. Our intro and outro were from Star Trek The Wrath of Khan by James Horner. What happens when a stormtrooper fights a red shirt on the Enterprise? The stormtrooper misses every shot, but the red shirt dies anyway. Well, and I think it's also another aspect that I love about Star Trek. It's two characters developing themselves and furthering themselves to make themselves. I said themselves like four times. (laughs) Sorry.